0: there and welcome to brain for business your podcast for all things brain behavioral and organizational science we are delighted that you have joined us today as always to listen back to past episodes make sure to check out our website brainforbusiness.ie, and feel free to drop us a note via the website with any comments feedback or dare i say it even questions so to today's show Magical beliefs, such as belief in luck and precognition, are presumably universal, yet the extent to which such beliefs are embraced likely varies across cultures. While not often considered, the implications of this for cross-cultural engagement, whether for work, for holidays, or other reasons, are potentially quite significant. To explore this, I am delighted to be joined by Dr. Emily Harris of the University of Melbourne. Dr. Emily Harris is an academic at the University of Melbourne in the field of social psychology. Dr. Harris is broadly interested in how distal worldviews can shape our everyday experiences. She has conducted two large-scale multinational studies assessing people's beliefs about science and magic. In her other research life, Dr. Harris studies how our worldviews about gender can shape our intimate relationships and body image. Emily Harris, it is great to speak to you.
1: Thank you so much, Laurie. It's great to speak to you too.
0: Well, let's start with hopefully a simple question. What are luck and indeed precognition?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give simple answers for both first up. Uh, So belief in luck is this idea that these kinds of actions that we can do or objects around us can change our fortunes for good or bad. Um, and so this is familiar to lots of people who, you know, might think about having a lucky keychain or, you know, putting their lucky underpants on before an exam. And that's, that's the sort of simple answer for luck. And then for precognition, it, that is actually this, I think that's really common in a lot of media, um, like a lot of popular TVs, TV shows, and movies. But the term is a little bit jargony, and I think when it's depicted in media, it's like when someone will touch someone on the shoulder, and they'll have this kind of like huge mind traveling moment into the future, and they see someone's you know um, future outcomes, and it's a big revelatory moment. And so that is the example of precognition, where it's a general belief that people have an ability to see into the future uh, and to for- forecast things that will happen. Uh, so like mediums, reading people's tarot cards, uh, mm-hmm. horoscopes are all examples of a belief in precognition. Um, and, you know, in case it's helpful, a bit more of a technical answer is that these beliefs in general refer to what's called ontological confusions uh, and so ontological confusion again is a jargon term but it's this idea that we think that things can operate beyond what is scientifically possible um so you know you might say well I'm going to bring my calculator into my exam that's an object and it's going to help me perform it's not something that's going to bring me luck but it is going to change my outcomes for better and that's true so that's that's not an example of belief in luck. But if you think that, you know, rubbing your calculator three times will help you do well in your exam, that is an example of an ontological confusion where you think that something like rubbing your calculator will have an impact on your outcomes when there's no rational link between those two things, the rubbing of the calculator and the answers that you give. Um, And so that's the kind of more complicated answer where it's this belief in things really moving beyond what is possible.
0: In, in what sense then do luck and precognition, as you describe them, relate to something like superstition? Because uh, you mentioned there, someone say, rubbing a calculator or having their lucky underpants for exams. Uh, and the example that comes to my mind is the tennis player, Rafael Nadal, who has this very strict ritual If I don't know if you watch tennis at all, but every time he serves, he has this very specific ritual he goes through. Is that fitting in with with that ontological confusion that you're talking about there, or is that something else?
1: No, it does. That's a great example. I think Raphael Nadal is someone who everyone can bring to mind, you know, in terms of the like ritualistic number of taps that he'll do on his face and his shorts and the, lining up with these water bottles. Uh, and those are all examples of ontological confusions in some way, where you believe that these actions and behaviors that you're doing have a power beyond the actual physical event. So lining water bottles up, we know, yep, yeah, that will, you know, help the water bottle stand in a certain formation. Logically, there's no connection with that and performance. Uh, so there's this leap. Um, you know, someone might make into thinking, okay, but this certain formation will have this impact on my future outcomes. Um, And it's really a very mental thing, um, where we make this connection that rationally doesn't really hold up. And so I think, you know, these are examples of general superstitions and Beliefs that fall under this general category of magical beliefs.
0: And where do they come from then? Is it something that maybe, you know, we we develop over time as individuals? Do they come from the societies, the cultures that we're we're, we're brought up from?
1: Mm. Yeah, it's a bit of both. So most children, it's relatively universal that children will engage in magical thinking. Uh, and will have magical beliefs and children might think that you know oh they can influence the weather with their thoughts for example or um you know that if they obviously you know put their fallen tooth under their um pillowcase that a fairy will come and bring them money and so it's a, you know a relatively human experience um that everyone will engage in these kinds of beliefs and um, thinking patterns in terms of the content of those thinking patterns that can be culturally informed. So not every child around the world believes in the truth fairy or Santa. That is really what is kind of fed to them from their cultural context. What, what comes to
0: mind as, as you're talking there in terms of that sort of magical belief is that that sort of fallacy that you know, something happens because I did something else. So, you know, the sun came up today because I had my porridge at 6 a.m. and if I don't have my porridge at 6 a.m. the sun won't come up. Is it kind of almost verging into that territory at times?
1: I think that is a good example of the functionality of our cognitions. And it's helpful for us to think in cause and effect ways that, you know, if I flip this switch, the light will turn on. And that's incredibly adaptive and helpful. So I think cause and effect is potentially why people engage in magical thinking. Um, And it's an extension of that where we think, oh, you know, I tapped my nose three times before this good outcome, and so that must be why I had this good outcome. So I'll remember that. And, you know, we might even have some conscious awareness that you know it's probably not effective or it's not changing our outcomes but maybe it just becomes something that we hold on to privately um, and we do anyway just in case because I
0: guess as you say just in case if it doesn't work out well that's okay but if it does work out then all the better so we may as well just keep doing it
1: exactly yeah exactly and
0: so these beliefs in luck and and, and precognition, do do they vary between cultures uh, around the world?
1: They seem to, yeah. So I have recently published a paper looking at belief in luck and precognition in around 33 different countries. And we specifically wanted to know whether the culture that you're in might impact the strength of the beliefs that you have. And so I'm talking specifically about, you know, when we ask people, do you believe in lucky charms, for example, or do you believe in horoscopes or fortune tellers, how much people are willing to say, yes, I believe in those things. And, you know, we know that there's kind of individual differences where, you know, you get a group of 300 people. Some people are more likely to believe in luck than others and precognition. Um, And we wanted to know, do we see that in different cultural contexts? And we do see this variation where culture is a relatively strong predictor of these beliefs, where there'll be some countries in which these beliefs are really strong, um, some countries where it's less. So the general findings were belief in lack and precondition were very common around the world. Um, It's not like they can be extinguished. And we did also find that they were most strong in Eastern European countries like Latvia and Russia uh, and also South Asian countries. um, So Singapore and um, also kind of countries like China that fall into this category of Confucian countries. Uh, Whereas the beliefs in like precognition were a little bit weaker in European kind of Western areas.
0: Uh, What... Do you think sort of drives some of the, those variations? I know you, you mentioned, say, Latvia and Russia, two countries are relatively familiar with. And while they've had a, a shared history, the, culturally they're also quite different on a number of different levels, and, and obviously very different to countries like China and, and Singapore. So what perhaps drives some of these variations?
1: Yeah, hugely so. And I think that is the natural follow-up question where you know we might see, okay there's variation across cultural groups. Why is that? You know, why why do we see that these beliefs are more common in some places than others? And I think there are a few things going on. In general, I think there's a story around how kind of open and receptive a culture is to magical beliefs and versus how much it might denigrate them. And I really think that's probably a central explanation uh, where... There are some cultures in which it's just really accepted to be engaging in lucky behaviours, to go and see a fortune teller, um, to talk about your experiences with your community. And it's really just embedded in the cultural system. And so, of course, people are going to be holding on to these beliefs, whereas there are you know, instances, I think most people who are from the West who can... Attest to this, where magical beliefs can be really denigrated and sort of shamed and seen like they're pitched as quite immature. Uh, and so, those are the cultural forces that are going to be suppressing beliefs in magic. I mean, that's sort of my, I guess, more my personal take. But we also tested a few like variables to empirically assess what's going on as best we could, and we tested a few things. So one explanation for belief in magic, is that it's referred to as the uncertainty hypothesis. So it's this idea that when things are really unstable in our world, when we're craving the sense of control and stability, that's where we can lean on and grasp onto things like belief in magic, uh, belief that, you know, okay, I'm not really sure what's going to happen to me today, but I've got my lucky rabbit's foot that I'm going to hold on to. And that's going to give me the sense of calm, sense of control, and I'll get through the day. So the idea is that when we're in contexts where our lives are really uncertain, we're more likely to hold on to magical beliefs. And so we tested this by looking at a cultural dimension that really taps into a country's level of certainty tolerance So basically trying to tap into the extent to which people in a country are okay with uncertainty versus the extent to which people are really not okay with uncertainty. Interestingly, we didn't find any evidence that that was associated with beliefs and lack on precognition, zero. So we didn't find support for that hypothesis. Um, And the unexpected finding that we had was that we included a country's development score. Uh, so human development score which is essentially how wealthy a country is it takes into account things like gdp and that was a really consistent predictor of belief in luck and precognition. where you get countries that are scoring more highly on the hdi human development people in those countries are less likely to believe in luck and precognition. and to break that down i think it does lend an alternative piece of evidence for the uncertainty hypothesis, because it's potentially saying that in these countries where you know, the country has a lower kind of GDP, uh, there's less stable access to things like healthcare, education, uh, jobs are less secure, that in those contexts, things are objectively less certain. And so that might be driving this increased belief in luck and precognition. Uh, and so, yeah, that's a speculative explanation as well for the cultural variation that we see in like in pre cognition
0: It makes sense though, because as you said, if people are much less certain about employment or, or even to get down to basics, um, food, safety, social security, the uh, all of those things at the bottom of the Maslow's pyramid, have we wanted to go into that world, then it, there is a lot more uncertainty uh, mm-hmm. which might drive that. But clearly, if we think about, and we're speaking obviously in August 2022, the last two and a half years have been marked by a huge amount of global uncertainty driven by the COVID pandemic. Has that had an impact on how people engage with these ideas of truth, sorry, not truth, but luck and precognition?
1: Yeah, absolutely. COVID's a great example of a period of extreme uncertainty in many domains and there's not great data on it but I suspect that belief in magic has increased over that time and it's been interesting to see journalists just talk about it where they can point to articles that were coming out in you know early 2019 pre-pandemic saying that 2020 is going to be fantastic. It's going to be a really fortuitous year full of wealth and happiness and joy. Um, And, you know, that didn't really pan out. Um, And yet, despite that sort of disconfirming evidence, it's not like people really dismissed horoscopes. They weren't like, oh, okay, well, all of this astrology business is, you know, maybe not so helpful. That didn't really... Discourage anyone. Um, the stats uh, apparently on the readership of horoscope articles, kind of moon charts and things like that, really rose dramatically um, during COVID. Uh, so yeah, I don't think the the fact that you know COVID kind of proved some of these people wrong really did anything to dampen the interest in um, things like luck and precognition
0: and perhaps I'm, I'm going off on a slight uh tangent and making too, m- too many logical leaps but is there potentially also a link to the growth in conspiracy theories we've seen in recent years that it's it's actually much easier for people to believe in something happening out there beyond our immediate cognition than to accept the truth that there is this terrible virus that we're struggling to understand and we have to take some very simple steps to try and minimise the impact of?
1: Yeah, it's it's possible. I'm not aware of data linking those things where increased uncertainty leads to more conspiratorial thinking, but it's it's not a bad hypothesis. And... I think there is, you know, if people are really craving certainty, control, conspiracies can give that to people on an individual basis uh, where they might not feel like their, you know, existence is at the whim of the government, Um, you know, their freedoms, for example. I was living in Melbourne during one of the lockdowns, the sort of very long lockdowns where there were very strict controls around leaving the house and, traveling only within five kilometers of where you live for only an hour a day. And so a lot of these discussions came up around freedoms. Um, and, you know, it seems reasonable to think that, okay, when people that might grade against people uh, who want greater freedoms, that if you can find a way to grasp onto your own sense of control and make your own rules, that can often be found when you, dive into conspiratorial thinking.
0: Yeah, in, in interesting per, per perspective there. And as I said, I know I was kind of going off on, on, on a slight tangent. Mm-hmm. And and maybe actually just to, 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 to build upon that, and, and I'm not wishing by any means to conflate conspiracy theories with religion, but is there, you know, did you find through your research any link between beliefs in luck and, and precognition? and uh, religiosity and and, uh, beliefs in, in, in religious practices?
1: So we did include religiosity in some of our models and it wasn't a very strong predictor of belief in luck and precognition. And historically, these kinds of beliefs have often really been at loggerheads and people who are, you know, kind of strongly religious, Probably going to be more likely to reject beliefs in luck and precognition, or you know, magical beliefs in general, um, because they, in a way, are sort of perceived as like a false god, um, and they're met with deep distrust. And you know, I think people will generally find too that people who might be more spiritual or believe in other other worldly powers that aren't related to religion are probably people who have rejected institutional religion and are more interested in these kind of other alternative forms of transcendental powers. But I think that there's, I think there's an interesting history there when we think about religion and magical beliefs. And we, there's been a few folks in the literature who suggested that when governments might ban religion, for example, uh, like there's this history in Russia and, you know, in China as well, I think where, uh, religions were banned. And so that might create this vacuum that would be filled with beliefs in magic and things like that. But I think often these narratives fail to remember that actually beliefs in magic and beliefs in religion are persecuted together, uh, very often. And, these bans were much more broad than people think where both religious beliefs were banned and beliefs in magic were banned. But it was interesting to see really what survived that. Um, And in a lot of these places, it was, I think whatever was culturally embedded that really survived. And it was what was culturally shamed that didn't. So often I find that the, The political structures that might be trying to influence people's belief systems aren't as effective as more social structures. It it
0: makes a a lot of sense. And, you know, I'm thinking also, as you're speaking there about the way that historically some organised religions have co-opted pagan festivals and sort of maybe as a way of just drawing in uh, the, the unwashed masses into their belief system, but also maybe as a way of trying to suppress some of those, some of those other beliefs. So things like Easter and Halloween and even Christmas, uh, you know, seem to tie very uh, well to, to some ancient pagan beliefs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they do. And it's interesting that I think often those are the ones that have such a strong pull where, they engage the imagination, you know, and they encourage community bonding. And those are often the most powerful forms of social cohesion um, and really help to kind of create a structure around any institution, for example, religion. Um, And so they're really effective at maintaining sort of religious beliefs and religious practices and communities.
0: If we take all of the, these variations between uh, different cultures and, and, and different cultural groups, are there any particular implications that you would highlight in, in terms of how we should understand or maybe even engage with nations and cultures which have you know stronger beliefs in luck and precognition than
1: others? Mm. That's a good question. I think one thing that I keep in mind is that in general, we in the West tend to think about belief in magic being at odds with belief in science. And I don't think that's necessarily needs to be the case where Western countries tend to score lower on dialectical thinking, which is this ability to believe in contradictions and be open to um, opposites existing, coexisting. Uh, And so I think that just because we might see variation in belief in luck and precognition and some cultures or countries might be higher in those beliefs, it doesn't necessarily follow that those countries will be higher, sorry, lower in beliefs in science um, or adoption of science. I think, you know, Japan is kind of an interesting example of that where, and South Korea, where these are countries that are incredibly technologically advanced and there's a huge, you know, investment in science and technology, but it doesn't happen at the expense or you know at the kind of mutual exclusion of beliefs and magic. Um, Those things coexist you know quite happily Uh, and that's a nice example of how dialectical thinking and dialectical cultural differences can come into play. No but
0: you know and the the, the example I'm kind of thinking of is you, you often come across, you know, in in travel guides, like a a Lonely Planet book, um, you know, what are the cultural aspects of of such and such a country that you might be visiting? Or or equally, uh, you sometimes come across these books about, you know, doing business in Japan or Germany or Argentina. And they'll often kind of talk about these cultural differences and it strikes me that, that this is one of those really sort of essential cultural differences that for some people coming from very different uh, cultural contexts might be quite jarring and also quite difficult to understand and to, to engage with.
1: Yeah it can really kind of take you for a turn when you just out of touch with the country's superstitions or magical beliefs um, and it's an interesting one because it's possible that people from two different countries or two different cultural backgrounds might kind of both have very strong beliefs in magic or, you know, rituals. And the extent to which people are holding on to these beliefs is the same. It's just the content of the beliefs that are different. And that can be really grating when you become just completely unfamiliar with the content of. Of these magical systems in different cultures and uh I think I heard someone recently describe the experience of opening up an umbrella inside is really bad luck in in some places but really not in others and so you can find yourself in these sticky positions where you've offended people or you know seemingly kind of ruined their day potentially um without realizing it so it's important to keep these things in mind yeah
0: and as you say that people might have Equally strongly held beliefs, but different b- b- beliefs, and I can imagine as well. Speaking as someone who is originally from Australia, who is now living in in, in Europe and has travelled, it can can be a challenge to to try and avoid that sense of yes, but my beliefs are better. Mine make perfect sense; uh, they're completely rational, even if actually they're magical. But the but yours, your your ideas and beliefs are completely irrational. Um, Because they're different is that something you've noticed or did that come through in the research at all
1: oh it absolutely can um in that yeah i think there can be a tendency to think oh how how childlike you know how how silly to think that you know maybe if you book your flights on this certain day of the year that you know there's a high likelihood of a crash or something like that you know it's People sort of, for example, changing their plans around a certain day, and you know, again, there are certain countries like Spain and Japan that have specific days of the year that are considered incredibly unlucky, Uh, and that's all related to numerology. Different numbers being considered unlucky, and so potentially people might turn their nose up at that, and yet at the same time might feel a bit queasy, queasy if they're booking a flight on September 11, for example. And I think these are things. That we should keep in mind when we're you know potentially being a bit sassy about certain magical beliefs and you know being really open to how these things develop in different cultures and countries and how really strongly embedded they can be because if you're doing them from your you know from when you're born it's pretty hard to let go of them and I think a second point that I wanted to make is that there's a difference between magical beliefs and magical thinking and in the study that we did we focused on magical beliefs where you're asking people to overtly tell you what do you believe in and so that's going to be really influenced by you know what we think is socially desirable what we think is the right response to have and maybe we think oh no i don't believe in these things because they're silly it doesn't mean that you don't engage in magical thinking which is something that might just happen even unconsciously. And that, you know, maybe if anyone pointed out or you had to verbalize why you were doing certain things, you would realize that they were coming from, you know, this sort of stem of magical thinking um, and magical beliefs. And you'd be kind of outed for, <laughs> for engaging in these things, which also aren't really bad, I don't think at all. And, you know, often they're kind of embedded in our days anyway, you know, we sort of will say good luck or I'm sending you positive vibes or I'm thinking of you. And all of these things are kind of assuming some potential telepathy, you know, where we can create energy in our minds. And uh that positive energy is gonna, you know, really help someone when they're kind of you know doing a job interview, for example. And they're just culturally accepted, you know, that we engage in those things. But That's a good example of magical thinking
0: yeah and the you mentioned there spain and japan uh, i think it was in terms of different dates and as you were saying that the 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 example that, that came to mind was the the lack of a 13th floor in a lot of american hotels and buildings it's just skipped over even though there is a 13th floor if you count them it's just not called that. And so does that actually make a difference or not? Maybe, maybe not. I I don't know. But it's it's obviously a you know a magical belief on
1: a certain level. Absolutely, with huge consequences, you know, like just skipping a whole number on the elevator is that's a pretty big structural change that someone's made based on a belief that they hold. And so yeah, these kind of thinking patterns, belief systems can have really big implications for our lives. Yeah, and they can have impacts on economic systems as well. So uh, we've seen that in the stock market that there'll be certain days and times when people are unlikely to invest. uh, And it's because, you know, it's perceived as an unlucky day, for example. Yeah, so it, it can sneak into our lives in ways that we might not even notice.
0: And I think uh, as well, um, some some of the examples that you sometimes see in uh, catalogues of you know marketing errors c- can also perhaps play a, play a role in thinking. Say in terms of you know relevance for for organisations who might be going into different markets where they might be engaging with some of these magical beliefs. There's a story, and, and I don't know the veracity of the, of the background, but there's a story that uh, an advertisement was put together for a particular market which featured a lady wearing a white dress uh, walking along. Uh, I think it might have been for a car or something. And what the company advertising this didn't realise was that in that particular culture, a white dress was worn at a funeral traditionally. And so the combination of a car and the lady in a white dress sent all the wrong signals To the target audience. And funnily enough, sales didn't exactly boom in in that market and they had to pull the advertising campaign. As I said, I'm not sure if it's true, but it's one of those things that I've sort of heard uh, around the place a number of times.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great sort of example of people who aren't au fait with the magical beliefs of a certain place and just really making a cultural faux pas that is costly. And it can happen too when people maybe buy a house on a street and maybe the, the number of the house is unlucky and they think, oh, I've got such a bargain for this house, but no one wants it because it's a really unlucky number. And so, yeah, you can kind of find yourself sometimes making expensive mistakes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Emily, if people wanted to find out more about uh, your research, is there anywhere in particular they can
1: go? Yes, they can visit my website, uh, which is in development, but I can send you a link for that. And they can also find me on Google Scholar where they can see all of my published papers. And I also, you know, welcome people to reach out by email if they'd like to have a chat. Uh, Yeah. Okay, perfect. Dr.
0: Emily Harris of the University of Melbourne, thank you very much for your time. It's been great talking to
1: you. It's been such a pleasure, Laurie. Thanks so much for having me.